These uh, Sundays in Epiphany, we've been in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, so we're going to stick with that. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach. And so you believed. This is the word of the Lord. And then our gospel lesson for this Sunday in Epiphany and also will be our sermon text is from Luke's gospel, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And let me remind you, this is God's word to us and it's given to us because he loves us. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you bless the reading and preaching of your word, that you would speak to us because yours is the voice that we need to hear above all others, the voice of love. Let me pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. These stories in the Gospels are some of my favorites because they point out to me and to us that Jesus was just a regular guy. He went fishing with his friends, just like I like to go fishing 
with my friends. And here's the part where I get to tell you my latest fishing story that I like to share. Last summer, uh, we vacationed uh, in Maine, and I went fishing almost every day and mostly didn't catch anything at all. But one day, I caught four Atlantic mackerel in one cast. One cast. And that was exciting enough, except that I also had to fight against a harbor seal that tried to eat my catch before I could get it reeled in to the bank. It was very exciting, but I got them in, and I was so excited, excited to catch these mackerel that um, I took them back to the place we were staying, and, and I cleaned them, and we ate them, and I remembered why we go out to dinner for seafood, because that is a lot of work and a lot of mess, and I don't ever do that ever again at all. But it was really fun, and, uh, and I enjoy these stories where Jesus is doing things like fishing with his disciples, and I also enjoy these stories mostly because it's in these regular mundane moments, and you have to realize that fishing for the disciples was not for fun like I go fishing. That was their job, right? So it's in these regular mundane moments like going to work that Jesus so powerfully communicates who he is and who we are in relation to him. I've heard someone say that God comes to us disguised as our life. I like that quote. God comes to us disguised as our life. And for most religious people, that's a disappointment. We wish he would come in all sorts of other spectacular ways, not in these ordinary routine things like going to work or being at work and being thwarted about being at work. But God comes to us disguised as our life. So how does he come to the disciples in this moment? Well, let's set the stage just a little bit and recap. Right? The disciples have been fishing all night long, and they caught nothing. They've now come in, they're washing their nets, they're getting ready to just put all their gear and their equipment away, but a crowd is gathered, and so Jesus gets into uh, Peter's boat, and he begins to preach. And when he's done preaching to the crowds, he says to Peter, hey, why don't you uh, row over to that spot over there and put down your nets and catch some fish. And this is when Peter rolls his eyes. And maybe he turns to James and John and is just like, this guy, am I right? His job is to do the preaching and the teaching and the healing and all that other stuff. It's our job to fish. He knows better. He thinks he knows better than we do how to do our job. But Peter, you know, says, okay, Jesus, well, you know, We fished all night, it's now the middle of the day, it's not exactly the best time in the world to be trying to catch fish, but because you say so, we'll do it. And of course, they catch so many fish that their boats begin to sink. They have to ask their friends to come over and start loading fish into their boats, and then their boats begin to sink. And it's in this moment, right, this this ordinary event that Jesus turns it into this teaching moment, this moment to reveal who he is. And he says to them in verses 10 and 11, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Epiphany is the season that we focus on Jesus being manifested, being revealed as the life of the world. And our mission to share in that vocation of making Jesus known to our neighbors as the life of the world. You see, Epiphany 
we use the word epiphany, right? We mean like an aha moment. Like, oh, oh, the light bulb has gone off and now I understand. I've had an epiphany, right? But epiphany really is not so much about that as it is about as Jesus' light is being revealed, so too are we made into lights. Not that the light bulb goes off for us, but that we actually turn into lights ourselves, that we become luminaries that reflect Jesus' own light to the world. Or, as Jesus says today, that we too are called to be fishers of men. But of course, whenever we start to talk about this, our mission as the church to take the risk, to talk to our neighbors about Jesus, to let them know about how much he means to us and that he is the light and the life of men, we start to cringe. Whenever we start to talk about these things, you start to squirm in your seats a little bit, right? About this idea that we would intentionally or unintentionally have a conversation with our neighbors about why the message of Jesus is good for them. And we begin to say things like, I just, I don't know what to say. I don't think I'm really smart enough these days to have that conversation. Or what if I mess it up? Well, it doesn't have to be too complicated. The Apostle Paul was the greatest missionary the church has ever known. And as we just read in 1 Corinthians 15, what did he say? I delivered to you exactly what I received. Christ died for our sins according to the promises God made to us in his word. That our Savior would come and he would pay the price we owed for sin, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again to new life. People saw him and testified to his resurrection. And by his grace, I have been given new life in Jesus. Quite simply, Jesus loves us and he is our life. Paul says it doesn't have to be much more complicated than that. But if that still intimidates you, then I encourage you, then just invite them to church. Invite your neighbors to come here. I think we have a church that you shouldn't be embarrassed to invite your neighbors to, or if your neighbors showed up. Our music is good. The sermons are about that Jesus loves us, and even if they stink, they're relatively short, so they'll be over quickly. Although I have learned that there are some in this church that wish that the sermons were longer. Those weirdos, right? But most importantly, you can invite your neighbors here and not be embarrassed because you guys are warm and welcoming people. And we do a good job of loving and caring for one another. You know, when I do membership interviews and people ask, like, what does it take to be a good member? I tell them, what does it take to be a good member? I tell them it's three things. Show up to church every time that you can. Give 10% of what God gives to you back to the church to support it in its worship and work. And third, invite your neighbors. Invite your neighbors to come to church. Invite them to come and see for themselves. You see, the church is called to witness to Jesus, but in many ways, the church is the witness. It in, it in and of itself is something to be witnessed because, you see, we are this great catch of fish. We are this haul that Jesus is bringing in. In the Bible, the seas and fish in the sea often symbolize the nations of the world. 
And so the church is a manifestation of Jesus' power to bring in all kinds of fish from all sorts of places gathered around Jesus in this new community, in this new identity as the people of God called to love one another just as Christ has loved us. The church is the great catch for all the world to see. Now, I know you still ask questions. All right, but what if they get mad? What if they get hostile? They might, and that's okay. God still loves you, and He's still going to take care of you. I mean, the Apostle Paul might have been the greatest missionary that the church has ever known. He was also one of the most hostile people against the church the church has ever known. And see what God could do with him. And besides, honestly, if people get mad or upset about conversations around faith and Jesus and the gospel, it's usually because there's pain there. There's hurts and fear and wounds. And in those moments, if you'll just be present in it with them and not shy away from whatever tragedy in their life makes them angry about God or about faith and about Jesus, if you can just be quiet and be present, In fact, don't even try to have the right answers at all. Just stick with it in them. By you being present in their pain, Jesus is also present in their pain. You see, most people run away from brokenness. But if you'll hang in there in those moments and stick around, then they'll notice. And they'll notice the difference. Or, if your friends, your family, your co-workers just don't see the point in why they need Jesus in His church, it's completely irrelevant to their life. They seem to be doing just fine without Him and without us. Listen, that shrug of indifference, that's okay too. Because often, Jesus is going to bring in His great catch of fish When we least expect it. Again, God often comes to us disguised as our life. Jesus tends to show up when we don't think this is going to work. When, like Peter, we say, well, because you say so, I'll do it anyway. I'll trust you. I'll let down my nets and I will surrender my will to yours. That's when Jesus is probably going to surprise you with what He can do. And then, like Peter, you're going to want to fall down at His feet and humble yourself and ask for forgiveness for ever doubting His power. But here's the thing. Maybe your neighbors will want to do so also. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's confess 